Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is Sten. I would like to announce that my team in Nashville is looking to add an experienced advisor. This advisor would have approximately four years or more of experience, but more importantly, this advisor is looking for a new challenge. This advisor wants to take the elite path and reject the average path in our industry. In this role, you will work right alongside me growing your business. Together, we will help level up legacy as an organization. If you think you're up for this challenge, you can go to stenmorgan.com backslash apply to answer the questionnaire. Or if you're listening to this and you're thinking of another advisor that could be a good fit, please make that connection. If that advisor becomes an advisor on our team, I will send you a $5,000 referral fee. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. I'm here with Andy Traub. I'm Sten Morgan. And today we are going to talk about why clients buy or why they don't buy. It's kind of the most important question in business. Because if you get in front of people and they're not buying and you need, you need to figure out why. And yet there's some people that when you, when you put someone in front of them, they're, they're able to close. Yeah. And I also think there's, there's advisors out there that are very frustrated that they're not closing more. And they're, they're not asking themselves the questions to understand why their closing percentage is, is so low. And so we're going to get into some some. I deep... like to think that it's always their fault. Exactly that that <laughs> would be a that's problem. Where my instinct would... goes. <laughs> yes, that is where our human instinct it's not goes. Me, it's them. Which is another reminder of why our human instincts are not healthy. <laughs> that's right. So we we do want to understand why people make decisions, and these are universal things. And if you understand these universal things, then you can you can prepare uh, and adjust accordingly. And I really appreciated as we were planning for the episode that one of the very first things we talked about. Uh, is that one of the reasons? One of the main reasons people buy is because they buy based on their needs and their wants. And you jumped in right in right away, and you said, "But we have to remember that their perception is reality, mm-hmm. and that we have to work upon not what we think they need, right? Not what the advisor thinks they need, uh, or what they should want. That's right. But what their reality is is reality. Period. So as an advisor. How do you understand uh, their needs in a way that that helps you then identify? Okay, I have I have a, a product or service that can help them. Part of recognizing this, it's one of those things where advisors just you, you do what you've seen advisors do, what you were trained to do, and many of us don't stop and say, "Is this truly a great experience?" If I was in the client's shoes, yeah. and so if as an advisor, I start talking about me. My firm, our history, our products, our track record, I almost imagine like a, a, a meter in the clients where it's like they give us a bunch of benefit of the doubt. They're like, this is going to be a great meeting and, right. s- and we're losing points. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen people where they put the tip out on the table to start. I don't know if people actually do this, but I've seen it in movies. No. You put a stack of money and it's like every time the server messes up, you take a dollar oh. away. But in my mind, essentially, it's that. Like, we have the opportunity for, to, to, to level up the meeting to where like, wow, that exceeded my expectations yeah. or to be like to slowly – what I think about is the the and it's actually happening next week. They're going to have the first Republican debate. Hmm. Uh, is that they have people and they have these focus groups and, and they all have little knobs, right? Yeah. And imagine if you could see the knob of your, you know, and the mental knob of the of your client going, oh, it sucks. You're this is really me. good. Yeah, you're losing me. Uh, and so, so, so to that point, I think it's important to say like, what is what's on their mind as quickly as possible when you're in a meeting? It's like, what's your pain point? Why are you here? Those are the kind of open-ended questions I start meetings with to kind of gauge, you know, they're coming in hot with something that's kind of on fire or, you know, we just finally found the time to get around to this. Yeah. 
ultimately as their advisor, it's our goal to take that in, affirm it to whatever degree it makes sense, or pivot to saying, I hear that, but hey, did you know about this? Right. The goal, but it all has to feel like it's about them. Not that it's, I hear you, but now let's get to the thing that benefits me, which is I got to sell you something. Right. And so a great first meeting is qualifying both ways. Am I a good fit? Are they a good fit? Do I understand who they are? So that in turn, I can come back and say, yeah, I want to do business with you or I don't. Using the average versus elite filter, the average, and it's fascinating how many advisors really feel like they need to and that clients care about how long they've been in business. Let me tell you a bit about ourselves. I mean, I, I equated it to I'm bleeding or I, you know, or I have a toothache and I go to the dentist. He's like, well, let me tell you about our company. <laughs> like, Dude, I don't care about your company. I'm here. Fix me. That's right. right? So don't. People are in pain, even yep. if they don't look like it. So get right to it. And we'll close the meeting by saying, hey, just so you know, we've been around for this long. Here's kind of our the clients that we work best with. It It's important. Tell them how you get paid at the end. But don't don't open with that. Don't open with the, here are the pillars of our firm, our three-legged stool. Like if, if you truly try to put yourself in the client's shoes, that if you were a client in that situation and you felt like right away I'm in this, into the spiel, it, it would not feel great. Yeah. I And I, before we move on to the second one, I, that last part you said, you feel like they're, the client feels like they're in the spiel. No one wants to be in that. That's right. I, I feel like I, I have to look that up, but it, like there's a, there's a definition of that. And basically it's like a, a, a rote or a memorized mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with a person. You just say it. Yep. Right. And no one, no one's engaged by that. Yeah. Right. Uh, the next thing that you have to understand why clients buy or don't is understanding their emotions and desires. The, the average advisor uh, or just salesperson in general will just wear someone out emotionally in order to get to a sale. Yep. The elite advisor creates confidence, creates excitement, um, expresses empathy for where that person's at. So what are some specific things that advisors can do to understand uh, the emotions of the person sitting in front of them? And also sometimes these emotions are very different for the two different people sitting in front of you. That, true. that, that, that dynamic can be really... Yeah, if you have business partners, spouses in a room, it could be a lot different. I think first we should talk about like the things we should almost assume are true. There's there's some level of uh, reservation, hesitancy. I don't know if fear is too strong of a word, but I think that can almost apply to everybody that comes into your office or is on a call with you. Because when it comes to money, the reason you're in your position there and theirs is they don't enjoy it. Even if they kind of have done well, it's like, I just don't, it's, it's more of a frustration or... Uh, there could be something, and I've had this for with clients, where every time I share something, their immediate reaction is, oh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. And and I sense in them like this ability of like, I can't let them know that I don't know a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. so I think there's a lot of emotions and fear. You can yeah. almost go in assuming to some degree, which you need to be careful of assuming, but like there's almost a baseline for most people yeah. out there when you interact with them. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like going to the doctor and they're like, well, we have to do an exam. And you're like, <laughs> okay, do your thing, doc. And but, they have like 10 people come in the room. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Just What's me? That oh, weird. Metal object for, <laughs> right? But it is, it's very vulnerable. And, and I, I, I've seen this, and obviously the goal is to change this, but the emotion can come in. And friends, you also need to learn how to read the body language when the arms are crossed, right? And they're leaning back in the chair. They're not comfortable. They're mm-hmm. disengaged and they're guarding themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be aware of the emotions. And so you can't come on too strong. You need to build some rapport. You need to. Uh, show value as quickly as possible and, and not waste their time. 
So emotions and desires are very, very important, and you have to be good at getting to those, I think, Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible. Yeah, I was in a meeting just two weeks ago, husband and wife, they've started multiple businesses, um, and the wife is just a really dynamic business owner, gives everything she has to these companies she started. Some like one just an online business that has grown a lot and it's you know, it's her baby. She's like, I didn't think I could own a business once and now I call myself a business owner. And for yeah. her that was just yeah. a very proud thing to explain to us and talk about. We started talking about uh, setting on a scale the different parts of their plan and giving them a score. And the husband kind of chuckled because he's like, uh, she's not gonna like her score in that area. Not because it's bad, but because they just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And and through talking with it, we really identified a low score represents a bigger opportunity. Right. And so when you think about emotions, you can phrase things and like, oh, that's fine. We're not going to hang on what you've done in the past. We can't change it. But man, look at the opportunity we have here. Absolutely. And one of the lines we use is if with the with the right advisor, there's a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. You know, and that's some some language we've we've cultivated over time that works with people. It's like if if we are on your team or the right advisors with you man, there's so much you can accomplish here. Absolutely. That is a better way to kind of tap into their, their maybe embarrassed. There's some regret on past decisions, but you can always take it and spin it in a way to where it's like, oh yeah, but together this can be a good thing. The third uh, reason that clients buy is perceived value. And again, we talked about this before. We'll say it again. We'll say it a million times. Is that it is your job as an advisor to communicate the value that you're providing in a numerical way, if at all possible. Yeah. This is not a promise. You're not like, signing it, you know, uh, with a Sharpie. This is on right. a, it's on a dry erase board for a reason. But you need to be able to quantify the perceived value of mm-hmm. something. Um, why don't advisors feel comfortable doing that? I don't, I look back at the different firms I've been part of and nobody ever sat me down and said, hey, Stan, whenever possible, don't give, uh, don't put numbers to problems. Like just talk in big generalities. And if you do that big enough and wave your hands in the air, like they'll do something. Mm-hmm. Instead, I was eventually I was like, hey, if I was in a room and somebody's telling me four things, I need to know what's the one that could have the biggest impact mm. on my plan in the near future, because I want to help create urgency as an advisor. But it has to be what we teach advisors: appropriate urgency. And so I've come from stay away from it, really for not knowing why. Just people just don't do that. To now advisors for the ones we coach saying, no, you need to do it. Yeah, because if if, if you're going to give somebody an idea that saves them a hundred bucks. It's your job to say, this is only going to save you a hundred bucks, but it's going to take 10 hours of your time. Yeah. Or, hey, you can do this thing. It's going to save you $20,000 and only take two hours of your time. So without quantifying and putting to it, you know, how big of an opportunity is this? I feel like we're doing a disservice to clients. So someone will buy if they feel like there's a great perceived value. And the value is, yes, this plan costs $6,000, but if you show me in the next five years, there's a $60,000 benefit if I take advantage of funding this account or mm-hmm. taking this benefit of taxes or structuring my business in this way or payment, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. The perceived value of that is, you know, I mean, if I say is a car expensive at $6,000, the only question you ask is, what car is it? Mm-hmm. You know, some cars, that's a bargain. And some it's like, that's, you'd be an idiot to spend $6,000 yeah. on that car, right? Yeah, and when we speak to clients, the... It doesn't always have to be the huge mic drop idea that has a big number attached to it. Yeah. I've, I've worked with business owners before where in the meeting, the thing that got them fired up was like, wait, I get to meet with you quarterly? Well, you're going to kind of show me a roadmap to the organizational documents I need to have in place? Like, none of these are like, hey, they're going to save you all this money. But they're these these things they haven't gotten to. That yeah. As you get better at working with different segments, you'll figure out there's almost an emotional value here that if I start speaking their language – then they'll be like, just knowing that's being taken care of is going to take a huge weight off me. Mm-hmm. That's also possible. A little more difficult and it takes practice. Putting a big number in front of somebody and saying, hey, you should do this wow, now. that's a great point. That's great. But there's a little more, there's some soft skills there too. 
and I before we go to the next one, I, I don't want folks to miss that. The perceived value, you don't, as an advisor, you don't get to choose the perceived, it's not your perceived value, it's That's their right. perceived value. No. And their perceived value could be, I get to meet with you twice, great. That's That could be the greatest, most valuable thing because I also think about this. Most business owners feel alone mm-hmm. because they can't talk to other business owners because they feel like they're in competition mm-hmm. or it's just a lonely world because there's not that many of them. Most people are not business owners. Most people are employees. Mm-hmm. And to find them and connect with them and find them when they're not busy because business owners are busy, oh, yeah. it, it can be a great relief to find someone that says, oh, you speak my language. You understand me and my pain points. And that might be the most valuable thing. Yep. Accountability. You can lean on that. I tell people this now because we're confident when we speak to clients. Clients want us to be really confident. Is I'll say, if we are on your team, the probability of your plan being successful goes up dramatically. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I think you're right. You know, yeah. like that's, yeah. and, and part of what they believe to be true is the fact that I said it in the way I said it. Yeah. If I was like, I don't know, you could choose somebody else. Like I'm now reinforcing that like, maybe this isn't a good decision. Yeah. But in a room when I'm like, look at the stuff we just did in 30 to 40 minutes. If we are on your team, there's a higher probability you're successful. Yep. And, and, and just that in alone, the perceived value goes up. Fourth one is social influence. People buy because they get a recommendation from someone else. I think that, again, this is another point of permission to be bold, to jump into it with a meeting. If someone is there uh, as a referral, mm-hmm. then, again, they don't care if your company was founded in 2018 or 1918. Like, <laughs> they don't. Yeah. It's just, Bob told me to be here. I'm here. Let's get after it. You yeah. know what I mean? So don't don't spend too much time worrying about this if someone is there because mm-hmm. of a referral. I think that's like, hey, let's 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 get into it. Yep. I agree. Uh the next one is discounts. I added this one because I think it's interesting that some people, uh the average advisor will say this person's gonna make a purchase because of a their their price sensitive. They it's like, how can I get them to the lowest price? Mm-hmm. And a lead advisor says I, number one, I get to choose the prices because I'm going to price my services. Mm-hmm. And number two is I'm going to give them two. So it's right. not about the lowest. It's about I'm going to give you an appropriate planning fee of, let's say, 8000 is the smaller one. Yep. And then I'm going to give you another meeting um, and another you know, client event or something like that. That, that You're always going to give them two options. But the perception is not the lower one is a bargain mm-hmm. or like a deal or it's the cheaper like – it's it's on sale. It's not like it's it's like buying two models of a car. Mm-hmm. It's like this one comes with these features. This one comes with these features. But they're both great choices. Yeah. When, yeah. When our team had that breakthrough, and, and for us, the way we put it is, we were giving somebody one opportunity to say yes or no. Yeah. If you say, hey, here's this option, but oh, you can have this option too. Now there's you know two chances for them to say yes. Yeah. It's funny because as soon as we started implementing that, I was like, hey, this makes more sense. We're not over-promising and then getting paid less. And then that kind of starts a relationship off and like, hey, they kind of got us. Yeah, It's we'll give you more for this or less for this. Both are valuable. It's your choice. Uh, until I started realizing some companies were doing that to me. <laughs> we were doing some like tech upgrade and I sent them back and I was like, hey, I don't know if we need that thing. What about this? And like, oh, yeah, no problem. And I was waiting for the thing to come back and it was uh, less stuff for less price. And I was yeah. like, that's just healthy. It's just yeah. good boundaries, and it's like my time is valuable. I'm not going to let somebody ask for the same amount of work and pay half, but yeah. I, w- I am open to giving you options. Yeah, and, and that's also – it's why clients buy or don't buy, and also some of these reasons that you hear today are you'll learn, okay, this is not a client I want to work with because yeah. they're just about the discounts. Can I get it less? Can I get it? Get it? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a person you want to work with for a while. 
And I look at most of the time whenever I've accepted a client I shouldn't have, uh, it was one because I had a scarcity mentality. I didn't think there was another great client there. I just had to create yeah. activity for the team. Or there was something in me that was not able to set good boundaries and just say, hey, here's what it is. Like, I'm not going to turn anybody away like I used to. Oh, you don't have enough money. You're not willing to buy insurance now. It's like, I'll work with you. Here's the ways we work with people. And now it's your choice. Yeah. And when I freed myself of that desire to be chosen or if someone says no, that's an attack on me. It's like, truly, I'm not the best fit for everybody. Yeah. And there's something freeing in that too. Yeah. Uh, Another reason people buy or don't buy is product quality and features. I I want to ask you, because this is as we coach a lot of advisors, they they, they want to have a planning business that's more uniform. And so how customized do you have to, or how many features, like how important are the are the features as in I'm going to make this maybe feel custom versus actually be custom? So let me see if I can rephrase. Like mm-hmm. the idea of to the consumer, they feel like, oh, this is a really customized plan. And in that sense, it is. Yep. But to your staff, yeah, it's not that customized because they do those seven things every day. That's right. Right, like no one in the kitchen at a restaurant is thrown off by an order because it's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's customized, but we have all those things, right? Right. So how important is it to make them feel like it's customized, but also keep it uniform for your staff? I mean, if you want to scale it all, there, there's a point you're going to hit where it feels kind of jumbled. And I've been through all these stages of my practice and we're passing notepads around and there's just enough horsepower on the team to kind of glue it together yeah. and, and deliver it on time. Now we are having to say, okay, what are the 10 questions we ask in this category for this client? Yeah. When they receive it, it has their name on it, but- there's probably a 50% overlap with most clients. Yeah. Like yeah. you're asking the same questions, you got to do the same thing. Yeah. And so your presentation, the way you deliver it, the way you communicate the value should feel dynamic, should feel unique, but to your team for their benefit and for the future of your company, if you want to scale, yeah. it should be very systematized. Yeah. Like it should feel, I heard something the other day, I don't know if this is a Hyatt thing, but it's 10 80 10. Brad Johnson, when I was talking to him, brought it up. It was 10% is what you need to touch. 80% then goes to the team and then 10% you refine at the end. Right. And so to create that, you have to have a system in place. The team doesn't need free reign to just customize everything. That 80% in the middle is something you've laid out to say, you're going to fill this out. You're going to ask these questions. We're going to request these documents. We're going to put it in this template. And then I'm going to come in at the end and put my uh, spin on it. Yeah. Kind of put my voice to it. Yeah. So again, people buy because they feel like it's customized. So it does need to feel customized. Uh, But- to your staff needs to be uniform. That's important. Another reason people buy or don't buy is because of convenience. So um, I think the average advisor looks at that and says, I'm going to try to make this as easy as I as I can for the consumer. Mm-hmm. I think an elite advisor just says, yeah, that'll be done. Like, like they don't even let the person touch it again. They're just like, yeah, we'll take care of that. Yeah. Like in that level of, you know, I'll, I'll I'm not going to get, it's even if uh, let me give you three names versus I'm just going to make the call for you, mm-hmm. and we'll get you the paperwork and you just sign it. Yeah, like that's that that's the elite level of thinking when it comes to convenience. And when we talk, when we do the two pricing tiers, a lot of times it's how involved are we with the implementation? Yeah, if all you want is the idea and you'll make the calls and you don't need us involved, then that's one thing. But if you're like, no, I need you guys to brainstorm the idea with me. We need to refine it together, mm-hmm. and then I like your help in kind of pushing that ball forward. Uh, that's just a different engagement, and, and some people will jump in and do it themselves. A lot won't. But from a convenience standpoint, there's something in our industry that things are just hard. If all I had to do was get people to say yes, man, this would be great. My practice would be three times the size, three times as fast. But when someone says yes to an insurance policy, 
what they said yes to was a, a, a hard underwriting process, potentially with a lot of questions with some medical documentation. When they say yes to investment accounts, so let's open it, let's transfer the accounts, let's get the things right. in. And so we've had to get better over time at saying, hey, through this process, there's some things that could, uh, roadblocks could pop up. But just yeah. so you know, we're going to address those. We may need some things from you in the meantime. In the past, when I was like, I got you, no worries, and these things popped up, it was surprising to them because I didn't set good expectations. Yeah, yeah. They got frustrated. It felt like our process was bad. And so much of it is out of our control. Yeah. Um, that I think there's a line of saying, hey, we're going to be the kind of the front end of this. Anything that comes up, we're going to take the brunt of it and we're going to handle it for you. But there could be additional things that pop up. Yeah. And so convenience is great. I'm all about it. But in our business, I found we don't have the freedom to just streamline everything like we'd like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one, and, and again, why people buy or don't buy, cultural and personal values. What I would say is, and I'm really fascinated to know what you're going to say about this one, is that I think that people want to buy from people that they like, they trust, and I think that they believe share the same values. Mm -hmm. And so without you know talking politics every time and saying, you know, oh, you voted for them, you voted for them, okay, well, I'll work with you. That's probably not a good route. But people, I think... Uh, as an example, the the personal value of um, I really care about my kids and making sure they're taken care of. Mm -hmm. And if you connect with someone, it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, there's nothing more precious than our children. Yep. The conversation about life insurance can be based upon that uh, personal value That's true. of like, okay, yeah, like I want to make sure my kids are taken care of no matter what, right? Yeah. So if you talk about kids and you say, okay, speaking of kids, and then you go into the you know insurance yeah. conversation, right? And also the personal values of, um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, of, you know what, I think the government needs to be funded, right? Mm. But no more than necessary. <laughs> like the value of, I recognize I need to pay what I need to pay, but I'm not going to pay any extra, yep. right? I think that that's a value that a lot of people go, darn right. Yep. The uh, I heard somebody talk once, they were saying, yeah, the government, the IRS will not reject your checks. Like, if you want to give the IRS more money, like, you just, just start sending them money, like, for free. You know, like, they would, like people are like, oh, interesting. Uh, usually it's people want other people to give more. We don't want to give more. And we spend a lot of time helping people give just the right amount when it comes right, to taxes. Right, right. I have pushed back on this over my career because there was some head trash for me early on about, like, I'm not old enough. I'm not in their demographic of a client. Um, I, I can't relate to them in certain ways. And so I took the path of saying, I'm going to overcome personal connection, value relationships with pure value. Yeah. Results are going to be the thing that I win business over. Sure. Which is valid. Which which helps. I, th I do think over time, I had a meeting the other day with somebody and they're like, they brought their five kids into the office because mm -hmm. their in-laws hadn't come into town yet. And uh, a ping pong table was going, you were hanging with them. And I truly, I look back and they know I have three kids and they were like, there was something about like, it was nice to bring my kids in here and know they were just welcome. Mm-hmm. That was great. I think that put some stuff over the top for us even quicker. Oh, sweet. I'm confident we would have closed that client purely off of results yeah. process alone. Yeah. But over time, I had to because the soft, you know, EQ stuff wasn't my natural strength. Yeah. I had to go to my strength. I had to go results yeah. at all costs. What, what are we going to do? And then over time, I've had to build the soft skill of like, hey, I'm just going to sit in here person to person, ask some good open-end questions. Yeah. So that is a valuable skill. You're listening. You may already have that. You might be listening saying, I don't have any of that. We'll, we'll build that over time, but don't use it as an excuse to not close great clients. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it. And I think if you're going to go anywhere, like go towards, I'm going to provide great value. Say I might not connect with them on all things, mm -hmm. but I'm going to wow them. Like I'm going to do a great job for them. Like right. your primary job is, I think about the, the, I'm trying to remember who that doctor was, but it was some doctor show and he was just a jerk. He was House. a jerk. House, yeah. yeah he was a jerk. Yeah. Like he was a jerk, but people did not care. Because it's right. like, ah, uh, 
thank you, jerk, for finding my tumor. That's right. Because the nice guy was nice, but he didn't find my tumor. Like, I'll take the jerk who finds a tumor versus the nice guy who doesn't, exactly. right? Yep. And so, uh, but when you can, yes, try to connect on that personally. And I have found this, politics generally is not a good one to connect on. I've, I've just found it to be too too much to go into and it's just, it's a little too dicey. Mm-hmm. I do think that when you can connect on things that are, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, sending your kid to this school or homeschool or a uh, faith or, you know, even like sports or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. like don't, don't be afraid to pause and talk for there a little bit. Like I, we had a gentleman stop by our office and his son is in travel baseball. Oh, I, I coach baseball. So we talked about that and it was like this deep, deep connection. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, let's get to business. Yep. And it's like, don't skip past that and think it's unimportant because it really is important to some That's people. Good. Um, two more. Another reason people buy is fear of missing out. And, you know, there's there's um, there's scarcity as in they only produce so many of these sort of fear of missing out. And then there's fear of missing out, which is uh, the clock is ticking on this strategy. Mm-hmm. Or you didn't know about this. I think about like, you know, op- open enrollment for, yeah. you know, health coverage or things like that. Like that is truly missing out. Yeah. Uh, but how do you communicate FOMO uh, in an authentic way to clients? There are opportunities that come along in our business to where you can do that in a healthy way. You know, there's times where they reprice life insurance. It's like if you buy it this month, it's going to cost you this much per month. If you wait because the insurance company is repricing it, it's going to cost you $20 more a month for the rest of your life. That's our responsibility to say, hey, just so you know, this is happening. Um, hey, you're going to convert your policy. If you wait any longer, it's going to go up by this and you help create the cross-even point and say, you know, it's going to cost you take you ten years to break even. You need to do this now. Uh, investments uh, are difficult at times because you don't know. Yeah, you're just kind of saying, "Hey, I think it's going to be good." Uh, we have to make sure it's appropriate urgency, and we talk yeah. a lot about that. Like whatever you're creating that you feel good about, but there are times where it's, "Hey, this law is passing; it's sunsetting," and yeah, build an issue of it around that and go push it to help clients. You know, PPP loans. There was just a lot of things where it's like, "Hey, here, there's a date where this thing is done." Yeah, are you aware of it? Should you do it? We do need to stay away from, and I, and I saw this a lot in like the life and annuity space to where it was kind of fear-based selling that was really not based on much data or fact. And so we have to make sure when it comes to missing out, maybe you have a waiting list for clients and you're like, hey, sorry, we're only going to take on five more clients this year. Uh, my hope is that's true, you know, mm-hmm. that you're not just kind of saying that for yeah. the, the sales tactic. But that is true. If, if, if you can do it well, that is a very compelling uh, trigger for people. Yeah. Last one, research and information. People buy because they do research and they gather information. I think our spin on this is the average advisor would say, here's a bunch of information. Here's an 80-page report. Here's a bunch of illustrations, right? Mm -hmm. I think the elite advisor says, "Um, you're meeting with me because I've done the research and I'm going to give you the information you need versus all the noise out there. And instead of an 80-page report, which you can have and we'll keep it in a folder or here's a jump drive or whatever you know to to have. But- I think the elite advisor helps them make and also simplifies, not dumbs it down, but simplifies it and boils it down to, here's the information you need to know to make this decision. Here's the four things. Now let's go make a decision versus having a three hour long conversation and like they have to get a PhD in something and they're totally overwhelmed and they're like, this is way too much. You're the advisor. So advise them, yeah. right? Um, where do you feel like you do a good job of boiling things down like how have you progressed this is the last one as well how have you how, how have you gotten better at simplifying the versus saying 
gosh, I, I want them to make decisions. So here's all this stuff, right? How, how have you progressed in that area? It's a work in progress. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to put myself, you know, remove all of the industry experience and financial knowledge I have and say, what would, what would feel good to me? And, and part of it, really, I'm putting a lot more weight within our team on the way it looks when we deliver it. Hmm. Like, is it, is it succinct? Does it look clear? Do we just say, hey, here are the four things you need to do? Again, to your point, there's more data if you want to look at it, but here's really what the, the meat of it is. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where we're spending our time now is there's an assumption from the client that we are doing research, that we do take our, our job seriously. And they don't, I don't think I can ever remember a time where a client said, well, explain to me the process you went through in order to come to these conclusions. Like there's just not a lot of probing. Yeah. So I hope you have a great process. I hope you take that really seriously. But when it comes to interacting with the client and getting them to make a choice, you need to put it in such a way that says, if you don't do this, here's the cost. If you do do this, here's the benefit. What do you think? Right. With just enough data, just enough there to where you don't overwhelm them, put them into like a, you know, they're paralyzed because they don't know how to interpret the data. That's mm-hmm. your job. But we're in a business of like, you need to give them enough information. Yeah. Coach them, educate them. Don't be scared of sharing things with them because they need to make the best decision they can. Absolutely. Well, the action set for this episode is I would encourage you to, and our notes will be all, all of our notes will be uh, in the show notes uh, so you can see the list of these, but identify the ones that you've been avoiding and you feel like, I just, I'm not really good at that because you really could be missing out and causing your clients to not buy from you because you're not addressing that one uh, head on. Uh, And if you can get all these dialed in, what you do is you remove all the obstacles of why people don't buy. And when you remove obstacles, the path between you and the client is cleared and they're going to say yes. 